boys, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. My name is Brian Bell, and I am here to be your envoy uh, into this uh, wonderful world of pro wrestling. And honestly, considering how much pro wrestling went down over this past weekend, like... I think anyone might need an envoy at this point. You know, so many shows going down over the weekend. Um, um, oddly enough, you know, the uh, Ring of Honor's final battle went down just a few days after um, my episode with Emily Fear dropped, where we talked a lot about Ring of Honor, um, both the good and the bad. <laughs> um, but, you know, you had that, you had a really fun uh, warrior wrestling show go down, um, countless indies. Um, as well, and then, uh, of course, the big capper, I guess, it just in that it was the last event of the weekend, uh, you had WWE TLC, Tables, Ladders, and Chairs, um, the 10th edition of a show that probably never should have had that brain to begin with, my, <laughs> my cat agrees, apparently, um, hi, Max. But yeah, no, TLC as a as a show like it started back in two thousand and nine as like as like whenever whenever WWE started having these uh, pay per views branded around a singular match style, um, I'd say. And I remember in two thousand nine just being bewildered by the idea of centering an entire pay per view around like you know Hell in a Cell or the TLC match or I remember the the one time they ever did WWE Breaking Point. In 2009, uh, the like where the majority of the matches were all submission matches, um, or different styles of submission match. I don't know. It's all so convoluted and stupid. And you know, some of those have fallen by the wayside. We haven't seen a Fatal Four Way pay per view since 2012, I believe. But uh, TLC is one of the events that has lived on past the that era of, um, I guess lack of creativity in terms of uh, events naming or like their their structure or anything like that and for some reason tlc kind of has the a tendency to under deliver you know, where, where the show had like minimal build not really a ton of uh emphasis put behind a lot of the the matches on the show and it's kind of a common theme with tlc um, over the years, and, you know, this being the last pay-per-view of the decade, um, as WWE just constantly uh, reiterated during the broadcast, it's it's kind of indicative in a lot of ways in, in how the, the last decade ended, um, or how this decade has gone for long stretches. I mean, obviously, there have been good moments on WWE television and WWE pay-per-view events, over the past 10 years, but I'd say there have been longer stretches of just of periods where there really wasn't a ton to sink your teeth into, or things that just objectively pushed you away from the product overall, um, and we've seen that kind of showcased in terms of, you know, declining viewership, declining ticket sales, declining house show business, um, for WWE over the span of that time. Um, you know, 
there's a lot to unpack with TLC specifically, um, though. That there must all those other issues they can garner a much longer conversation that I, you know, would be very interested in having. But for now, we're just going to focus on the event this week, TLC 2019, and. You know, if it's a WWE show, there's only one dude who is going to be coming on here to wax poetic about some WWE pro wrestling, and that is one Daniel Trainer of the Same Team Podcast, another podcast here on the Outsports Radio Network. You know, he came by uh, to uh, kind of work through Survivor Series weekend, um, as well as the NXT Takeover show on that on that weekend, and that was a really fun time. So, you know, I welcome Daniel back. Uh, for this event, and it was interesting. There were some differing opinions there. There were some things I didn't expect from him. I think there might be some stuff that he didn't expect from me, but overall, I think we both kind of landed on the same position of uh, <laughs> what did we just watch? Yeah. Anyway, without divulging any more information about that, let me just get you to the chat, because why delay the main event? Alright guys, guys and non-binary pals, welcome back to LGBT in the ring, and, you know, such a heavy weekend of wrestling capped off by uh, another WWE pay-per-view with a almost completely nothing build. Um, if... <laughs> Honestly, there's only one person that needs to be coming back on here, and it's the second two-time guest that we've had so far on the show. Um, and so that's a – I don't know if that's a dubious honor, considering the last time that that you that he was on, uh, we were talking about Survivor Series, which kind of ended up in some, probably the same boat that this conversation is going to end up in in some ways. But uh, Daniel Trainer from Same Team Podcast here on the Outsports Podcast Network is back, and we're going to talk some TLC – 2019 daniel dear god what have we gotten ourselves into i don't know uh it's an honor to be back i don't think it's a dubious honor uh i'll let the listeners decide whether or not they're happy that i am back but uh yeah it's i you know i don't know that i've wrapped my head around the show yet despite it happening two days ago uh I, i i don't know i feel like i have a lot to say and i might surprise you some of my thoughts but uh Certainly a show that's hard to really still, in retrospect, comprehend, but I'm excited to do our best. I am very curious to hear any thoughts that might surprise me, because honestly, a lot of the uh, universal reaction to this show has been complete malaise. Um, And also, uh, I would say a fair amount of outrage, considering how the main event went, um, including myself. And and it's no it's no stranger to anybody that listens to the show and watches WWE regularly. Like if you watched the show or heard about the show, you know about what happened to Kyrie Sane, and you know about how that was handled during that match, and um it was terrible. And I, I don't mean to lead with like the like the lead here, you know, but like I'm sorry, like I'm tired of the I'm tired of the mismanagement of concussions. I'm tired of the mismanagement of head injuries within within these shows especially whenever you have copious amounts of officials around that their main job is to make sure that people are remaining safe and are not being hurt and if they are hurt to communicate that to everyone else around so you don't see someone who just got dropped on their head on the concrete getting slapped by charlotte flair 
Yeah, it, it it's tough to really analyze the match, and maybe we shouldn't even really, because obviously the headlines from it are are what happened to Kyrie and how it was handled, like you just said. But uh, it, it's disappointing because I think if Kyrie hadn't been hurt the way that she was, I think they were maybe building to a pretty interesting, cool match. Uh, when it was all said and done, it just was kind of a mess because they couldn't really do anything and Kyrie was out of it. And I think you could tell that they were just kind of uh, just flying by the seat of their pants and really couldn't quite get anything together, which is a shame. I mean, I was surprised that the match main evented, honestly, uh, just because of the fact that I think, you know, the women had just main evented Survivor Series. And I think by all accounts had disappointed in that spot. So I was pretty surprised to see them get the spot again, pleasantly surprised because this was the match that I think I was most excited for on the card and kind of deserved the spot. And, you know, unfortunately it all just became a muddled disaster by the end. And I'm, I'm happy that Kyrie seems to be somewhat okay. I mean, we don't really know, I guess at this point, I don't think we really received any word right on, on exactly what happened with her and what to expect from her in the future. No official word. Um, they haven't announced an injury. They have um, reportedly they've uh, either announced or the word around the office is that um, she is not cleared for in-ring action at the moment. And she is more likely not going to be cleared for in-ring action on any of the house show circuits for the remaining uh, days of 2019. So she's out until 2020 at the earliest. Yeah. So it sort of seems like, you know, uh, we're getting Becky Oscar sort of as our next feud. I would, I would suppose, and we'll see them wrestle again uh, at the Royal Rumble like they did last year, which is exciting. I think there's a lot to uh, a lot to be gained from that feud. But yeah, it's a shame what happened to Kyrie. And you know, hopefully, you know what can happen here is that they learn and they can get some better stuff implemented here because you know incidents like that just can't happen and you know we're on here to talk about wrestling and debate you know whether or not the fiend is interesting or not but this is the this is really the important stuff is just taking care of these people that i mean that was sort of an overarching thing that i felt throughout the night maybe it's just because i'm getting older now but especially because like that ladder match that led off the night i used to love and not that i don't love it now but i i used to love hardcore matches and ladder matches and hell in a cell and steel cage matches and all this stuff. But the stuff that they're asking all of these performers to do, I mean, to have a pay-per-view that is literally all about sort of violence and big spots and all this, when that's not necessarily in the repertoire of everybody on the roster, I think is kind of crazy. You know, if you're to have like a TLC match and it's, you know, the Hardy boys and the Dudley boys and edging Christian or whatever, that's okay. Those guys like doing that stuff. They have experience doing that stuff. But I think you see with Kyrie, who, I mean, and that's not to say she doesn't have experience with with stuff like this, because she does, but I, it's not in her wheelhouse. And to have an entire roster of matches that are based on that, uh, I think is, is a big ask for everybody on the roster. And it, it's difficult for me to watch now sometimes because I'm just so scared that everybody's going to hurt themselves. I mean, watching that first match, the new day and the revival, there were so many times I was just like, I need this to end. Like, this is fantastic. It's entertaining, but I was so scared for everybody involved. There were so many falls and, and bumps that I, that I thought were going to be catastrophic and thank God weren't, but I don't know, watching this entire show, I was left feeling kind of queasy by, <laughs> by a lot of it. Cause I was just like, God, it's just not worth it. You're not wrong. I I think I've had a similar arc that you've had because, you know, like I 
like part uh, part of my fandom was kind of founded on some of the the old TLC stuff and you know the early ECW stuff. You know, yeah. like that was like very formative for me, and I love that stuff. I still love that stuff in doses, you know. But like that ladder match, the the New Day and the Revival, they, that match did leave me kind of feeling this a similar way to you, I think, especially the bridge ladder spots with Big E. Um, yeah, like a, a lot of that stuff just. I'm I'm I was so afraid that you know and chalk this up to Biggie and Scott Dawson for being awesome at selling, but I could have sworn both of them tore up their knees on different spots in this match. Um, based oh, on I know. Falling off I know. the ladders, having ladders fall onto their legs. Yeah, like kudos to them for selling because apparently they're both fine. Um, even though Dawson still has that big fuck off knee brace of his. Uh, good on him. <laughs> but um, but like yeah, like there's just a certain unease that goes into watching any of these matches and honestly it's it's kind of ironic in that the majority of injuries in of the on the show came with whenever there weren't spots being done with the with the with the weaponry you know right. like we yeah saw, that's true yeah like well i mean we'll get to it we'll see you know alistair black base i believe breaking his nose or at least busting it up um i think there was something I can't remember. There was one other one that's not coming to my mind at the moment. But like, yeah, like they, it wasn't because somebody got hit by a chair. There was, or there was uh, in the uh, in the kickoff show Andrade like busted yes. himself open on the on the top rope. I think that's what it was. Yeah. How did I forget? Because he kept pointing to his eye the entire time that he was causing a <laughs> non finish to an hour long match on Raw. Sorry, that's gonna we'll get to that later. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like it, it's just interesting to see like you still have obviously like wrestling is dangerous, you know, like that. I don't think that's foreign, a foreign concept to anybody that watches it. And whenever you put people that aren't used to doing these style of matches into them, like, yeah, it's going to make for a bit more of a cringe watch. Yeah. Um, and like, it sucks. Cause like those matches can still be very exciting. Um, I don't know if we need to have entire pay-per-views branded around them, but that's been an argument for a, a decade now apparently well and especially one that has three weeks of build and is so clearly uh, just a filler pay-per-view in between survivor series and the royal rumble i mean it's almost it's almost silly it's like you know and i'm i'm certainly not the first person to say this but like a ladder match or a tlc match that's something that should be like a last resort you know that should be a you, you a, a feud is built to this moment at a big show or something and instead we're forcing things and you're forcing ways to get like tables involved in a storyline and it's like oh god uh it's just i don't know it, it feels unfortunate i don't think anybody would miss if the tlc pay-per-view was gone they called it something else and and maybe once in a while we got an actual tlc match to to main event or be on a card i don't think we need a whole night worth of of stipulation matches like that no not at all especially whenever you only really had one match that that honestly was like heated enough to garner that stipulation to begin with and that turned out to be probably one of the more boring matches of the evening yeah um so yeah anyway um speaking of the build though before we get into the show proper i'm very curious to hear your thoughts obviously like yes it was a short build there was nothing really there for the most part um they didn't really have a lot of time to heat many angles up going into the show but what was your kind of general feeling going into uh, into tlc I'm not sure that they did anything to really make it feel like a non-filler show. It, it it definitely felt like a stopgap in between the two bigger shows. But, 
you know, I thought what they did with the build with Bray and the Miz was actually pretty good and, and something different, something unique. I think they utilized the Miz's sort of star quality and, and ability on camera in an interesting way. I mean, there's never been a feud that has felt more, uh, I don't know, minuscule or unimportant. I think everybody involved kind of knew that, but I think they did their best. And the stuff they did with Bray was interesting. You know, we'll talk about what they did on the show, um, but it, at least it was something different. I, I thought the build to that match was was good, and they tried something new, and, and we knew that Bray was going to win. We, we knew what was going to happen. Uh, but, the, you know, I thought that was interesting. At least that intrigued me. Everywhere else, there's really not that much to say. I mean, Baron, or I'm sorry, King, Corbin, and Rowan Reigns, I thought that was terrible. The build to that's just awful. I mean, it's it's so juvenile and silly and something that we would maybe have seen 20 years ago. I, I thought the build to that was stupid. Uh, Rusev and Lashley, uh, uh, not my thing. <laughs> um <laughs> I think that everybody involved is doing the best that they can. And I think that they recognize that they've been given the spot uh, and people seem to be caring. I mean, I keep reading how well those clips do online and, and how, you know, maybe less smart fans are, are enjoying uh, the storyline. So, you know, they've been thrust. I, for a second, I was like, is that match going to main event the show? Oh, and God. then thank God it didn't. Yeah. But you know, all of that I think is very, again, very juvenile, very kind of misogynistic and stupid. Not really my thing. Um, and then everything else there hasn't. I mean, the women's match was pretty basic build. So there was nothing else really to get me excited about watching other than, you know, I like Aleister Black. I like Buddy Murphy. Their match will be good. You know, they have the capability to do that because of the depth of the roster where they can throw out a couple matches on a card that don't have any build that I'm excited for just because of the talent involved. So other than that, you know, the build really didn't get me excited at all. Honestly, I kept forgetting that the show was happening. Uh, I kept having to remind myself, oh, there's a pay-per-view this weekend, which is never a good sign. Um, so yeah, pretty basic and B-level going into the show. And I, I think ultimately the show kind of lived up to that, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that last point. Definitely. Um, like, God. There, I mean, anytime that you're having to break out dog food to try and get an angle over and then come back not the good. next week. Yeah, not good. And then double not good whenever you come back the next week and put uh, your black former world champion uh, in chains and hang him from a from a turnbuckle post. It's crazy. And it's it's, it's insane. No, not at all. And it's crazy that it's continuing. I mean, that's the sort of thing where you're like, all right, at least this will all be over come TLC uh, and Roman will win and blah, blah, blah. Everybody will go home happy. But no, not only does Corbin win with this. Stu- I mean, so much stupid stuff happens. I mean, he wins with all this interference. Like, why didn't anybody come help Roman? Yeah. Like, he's just out there by himself, apparently like this well-liked guy. I mean, this is all getting into very specific, I guess, stuff. But like the idea that nobody from the locker room would come help him as he's been beating, as he's getting beaten down by, you know, multiple guys made no sense. And then, you know, Corbin wins. And then the show ends with this weird brawl, you know, and it's like, what, this is, this has to keep going. Like, I don't understand who it's appealing to. I think Baron Corbin, 
uh, is a great heel. I think he's really good at what he does. I think he's actually very funny and very charismatic. But this whole thing is a mess, and it's a waste of Roman. I'm not the biggest Roman Reigns fan in the world. Um, I think he's incredible and really, really good. You know, I sort of get a little sick of him being force-fed him in the main event scene, but he hasn't been there in so long. I'm kind of ready for that to happen now. Now that we're getting into Mania season again, I'm like, all right, can we just move on from this? Can he get back in the main event picture and and King Corbin can go back to, I don't know, doing silly little stuff and, you know, we see him every once in a while. I think it's just, it's such a mess and such a waste of time and energy. And yeah, I mean, all the dog food stuff. It's like, I, I can't imagine being in the writer's room for that when that's being tossed around. It's like... Oh God, it's a mess. So I don't know. I'm not sure what's going on there. I'm not a fan and I'm certainly not a fan of the fact that it seems to be continuing. No, no, same here. Uh, but let's get into the show proper. Um, you know, we had the kickoff match, Umberto Carrillo and Andrade, you know, the, they had an awesome match on, uh, on raw the week prior. And then this was kind of like a little bit less good version of that same match. Like not really much, to comment on at least personally for me um i don't know how you felt about that one yeah i mean sort of i mean this is an example of just putting two good wrestlers in the ring and they're going to put on a good match i mean it's the kickoff show there are literally no stakes nobody's watching uh (laughs) um other than me (laughs) uh, and a few other people uh good match it's fine humberto has been getting this push sort of out of nowhere that i find kind of fascinating because i he wasn't really on my radar a number of months ago now all of a sudden he's just this major player it seems like and getting these big wins um which is cool he seems fine if completely lacking in charisma but uh whatever i think he's all right uh yeah i guess you know, the storyline from that is like the andrade zelina maybe breakup thing that doesn't really appear to be happening i guess um so it was fine i i to me that's that's a great thing for a kickoff show you know put two guys out there gonna have a great match uh two guys who are a little bit you know younger sort of you know mid-card guys give them a spot to try to impress people and i think they did it was yeah it was a fine match i i've already forgotten about it but you know it it, it was fine for what it was exactly no it, it did its job and and it got us through the through the pre-show. Yeah, I mean, Andrade is a guy who I'm interested in now as we get into Mania season here, uh, where he's going to go. Because I think there are, and maybe this is something we can talk about after we talk about TLC, but, you know, uh, there's just a lack of faces now on on Raw with what's going on with Seth Rollins. It's, it's going to be interesting to see who sort of gets the rub here moving forward. Because there's some big, big holes to fill. I mean... You know, what's going to happen with Brock at the Rumble? And I don't know. It just seems like we're in the spot now where there are so many mid-card guys, and they're going to have to pick at least a couple to bump up to, to being in some bigger matches. I'm, I'm interested to see what they're going to do with Andrade because I obviously think he could be one of those guys because he's he's so good. No, I mean, Andrade is a dude who's impressed me for years at this point. Like, it's I thought that he got the short end of the stick whenever he first came up to the main roster. Um, after a stellar NXT run, um, and yeah. that that dude is a license to print money if you get him correct. And I think the best way to do that is to not separate them him from uh, Zelina. Totally, but, totally. But yeah, no, it seems like that's the, the they're not going to go in that direction at least for the immediate future. But I don't know. It, they could they change their minds so much. 
up there. Who knows what could happen? Yeah, I mean, he and Zelina are just old school bad guy heel manager to me. I love it. I, I think it's great. I think there's no reason to to break those two up. I think their their shtick is awesome. Yeah. And so then we get into the show proper. We already talked about it a little bit. New Day defending the titles, the ta- SmackDown tag team titles against uh, the Revival in a ladder match that honestly was probably the the scariest match of the show. I think just in terms yeah, of like the risk so. taken and everything. But we've kind of covered that a good amount here. Any uh, any additional thoughts that you had on that match before we get into some of the other stuff we haven't talked about yet? Not really. I thought it was good. I'm looking I'm looking at the card right now and looking up and down. I'm like, was that the best match on the show? And it probably was. I would say um, it's one of the two. And then, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I think we kind of covered it. Again, it's it's another example of like two great tag teams. Put them in the ring. They're going to have a great match. You know, they have the luxury of doing that now in WWE with with how many guys they have. So it was that the stakes certainly didn't feel there. We've seen these two teams face off so many times. So it was hard to get really invested in much of it. Uh, Kofi's insane. I mean, Kofi's amazing. And uh, we're getting to to see him do some stuff he, he wasn't necessarily allowed to do in his, his singles run, it sort of seems like, because he does so much fun stuff tag team-wise that I love seeing again. But yeah, I don't know. Good match. Uh, made me very scared, and uh, I was glad when it was over. <laughs> Honestly, right there with you. Um, so then we get to what I think was the match of the night, for me personally. Uh, yeah. Aleister Black, Buddy Murphy. Um, just two dudes... Like I'm glad that somebody finally knocked on Alistair's door, and he finally was able <laughs> yeah. to, to to get the match that he wanted. They're hanging out in there for like seven months, but it it delivered. It got really it, lonely in there. Oh, I'm sure it does. I mean, he doesn't. Well, granted, he doesn't really like like having much light anyway. So I think he it's, it's he'll find true. a way to survive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but like honestly, like this one delivered for me, and like. I, I was looking forward to this. Buddy Murphy's a guy that, you know, back in his initial NXT run with uh, Wesley Blake was a guy that was completely nondescript, personally. This yeah. completely faded into the background. But since coming to 205 Live, he's been one of the few people that's been able to really distinguish himself from that pack. So much so that he's been moved to you know, SmackDown and then Raw and like he's finally getting a chance to do something on his own outside of the the purple brand. And like it's really awesome to see him finally get a chance here and showcase his abilities, even if he is like a dude who is probably the single largest viewer of New Japan in that promotion based off of his in ring style. Yeah. And just how many moves he has co opted from people in New Japan <laughs> at this point. Um, but no, like this match delivered for me is hard hitting, fast paced. You know, they, these two guys are awesome strikers. And I think honestly, like seeing the end of this match, the black mass is going to be, the, is the heir apparent to the RKO. I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good call. I like that. Mm-hmm. what do you think of the match? I thought it was great. I, I love both of these guys. I, I mean, Alistair to me is a star. I mean, he's a main eventer. He needs to be pushed to push to the stars and, and not too quickly. I think that they can they can go uh, a little slow with him. Like, I don't need him to be in the, the WrestleMania main event this year, but I, I hope he has a solid match. And and 
I think he's a guy, not that I want him to have this spot because he would inevitably lose, but when you're talking about guys that Brock could face at the Rumble, he seems like somebody who would be an interesting opponent, you know, because again, it's it's more than likely going to be this one-off match at the Rumble and, you know, never to be revisited again. Um, I think maybe it's going to be Randy Orton now based on what's sort of going on. But anyway, uh, I love Alistair. I think he's phenomenal. I, and I think by this time next year, I hope he is just in main events of shows and is at the top of the card. I think he's phenomenal. I think he's awesome in the ring. His entrance is unbelievable i think he's great uh so yeah and then buddy i love buddy murphy i love buddy in the ring i think he's he's fantastic the thing that worries me about him is you know outside of his in-ring stuff i don't really know what i'm grasping onto there doesn't really seem to be much of a character there so i think for him in order to sort of continue finding him on the roster i think he's gonna have to to figure something out that's gonna make him stand out and i don't know what that is uh, something, some, some storyline, some angle. Cause right now he's just kind of this guy who's a really good wrestler who likes challenging people, which is fine, but I'm not sure it's enough for him to sustain himself when, when the roster is so deep. So I worry about that a little bit for him, but I could watch those two wrestle forever. And I, I think it was great. I thought it was a great match and yeah, I, I can't wait to see more from those two. Yeah, I, it's interesting what you bring up about Buddy Murphy, like outside of the ring, because you know it's. I think it's very clear that you know he has it in the ring, but he's never been able to put together a, a persona of sorts um, outside yeah. of it, like in terms of like character work, storyline work, that sort of thing. It's always just been about him challenging people or him being like the dominant force within something. You know, when you uh, see that with you see that with with a bunch of guys on the roster. I mean, Ricochet comes to mind, obviously. I mean, Ricochet, I love. He's one of my favorite wrestlers, but his his storyline now is what that he's like a superhero, which is not a storyline. I mean, it's cool, but I'm not sure it's enough. And you know, Ricochet, you know, he wasn't on this card. It sort of feels like he's kind of fallen into the background a little bit. And I think it's hard when you're somebody like Buddy or ricochet you know or you know a, a cedric alexander or who you know there there's so many other examples just phenomenal in-ring talents but that's kind of it they aren't allowed the freedom or they don't necessarily have the talent on the mic to be a multi-dimensional superstar and i, I think that's gonna hold maybe buddy back from ascending even higher from where he is right now and i think that's another reason why I think Zelina staying with Andrade is so important because that gives him something else. That gives him a layer to his character. I, th I think Andrade could survive without Zelina because I think he's great on the mic and very interesting. But, you know, having Zelina, that that in and of itself is is character, you know, that makes him stand out. That makes him different. So I, I hope they never break them up for the foreseeable future. But, yeah, you know, Buddy, the Ricochets, I, I worry about where they go because there doesn't really seem to be anywhere to go. They just sort of plateau at being a great in-ring performer. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think that does describe the majority of the mid-card on both SmackDown and Raw at the moment, honestly. Like, yeah. Outside of like maybe Rey Mysterio, who like honestly probably might should not be in the mid-card at this point. <laughs> yeah. You know? But yeah, like that, pretty much everybody in that gauntlet match on Raw even Matt Hardy at this point is kind of in that I know. mode. <laughs> I know. Uh, I know. I it's it's a good problem to have, I guess, that they have so many talented people, but 
Yeah, they need to find ways to, to make them stand out. Alistair is that for so many different reasons. I mean, he just looks different, but he's uh, he just brings something to the table that, that's different from those guys. And I think that's why he's been able to to stand out. No, I completely agree. Like, Alistair has been a dude that has been awesome ever since stepping foot into the WWE system. I mean, he was awesome before that, but in terms of like translating to the WWE system, that dude has been money since the day yeah. he walked in there. Um, yeah, they'd be, just, just fantastic. Yeah, he's honestly, he's, he's can't miss at some point at, at this point, but like, who knows? Some, I mean, they look what, like you said, look what they've done with Ricochet. Like, like there's so many guys that have come through that system that were can't miss that they've like just squandered at this point. So I'm really hoping that doesn't happen, but um, good on Alistair for, and, and buddy for having probably the best match on this supremely subpar card, um, yeah. <laughs> which continued on. Um, I have to ask Daniel, are you a fan of KFC? Oh my God. <laughs> This was so stupid. I mean, like, it was just so dumb. And, like, it didn't even, like, it could have been kind of funny. But it just, it didn't go anywhere. Listen, listen, the whole match is sponsored by KFC. We have all this food at ringside. It's so stupid. It's so sticky. It's so corporate-y, shrilly, whatever. But, like, it was like so strangely in the background and they would just sort of bring it up. And then they sort of go over there. Like, I want to see, like, if we're going to do it, like do it, like put some coleslaw on somebody's pants. Like, I don't know. Like it just, it was, <laughs> it felt so strange and so sad that there are these like three strangers sitting at ringside eating fried chicken. as Jerry Lawler's talking about whatever the hell he's talking about, which God get him off TV. Please uh, get him off it TV. Was, He's so bad. It, it's yeah. so bad. And you can tell that everybody else hates working with him. They like don't respond to stuff he says. Like it's, uh, it's brutal. But uh, I, I, uh, that, that was just really sad for everybody involved. The whole, I mean, just the match itself kind of sucked and a double count out. It's just like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Like, honestly, you know, for as much like WWE lore kind of precipitates this idea that, Vincent Mann always wants a food fight anytime there is a segment involving food. Like, this is the one time where you have a perfect opportunity to pull that off and you completely negate it. Like, you literally get the fans to boo whenever they throw the food off of the table to slam Carl Anderson through it. Like, just give me one one bit where you're just taking a handful of mashed potatoes and just like smacking someone in the face with it. That's all you need. I know just, just something, just something. I mean, I can't believe point, I'm saying, I can't believe I'm advocating for more of a food fight, but like, what's, I mean, we've come this far. Yeah. I mean, nothing was going to save this segment. Like you could at least throw something in there to get a little bit of a chuckle. And then like before it dies again, you and know, a like, double count out. Wh- yeah. Why? Who knows? Who knows what they're doing with this? Uh, I don't know. It's just so strange. I know. Like, it made me pine for the days of, like, Enzo, where he just wanted to fuck that golden chicken. <laughs> well, listen, nothing learned. nothing is going to make me want to pine for the days of Enzo. <laughs> but, um, 
Yeah, I, it's just sort of depressing for all for everybody involved. I don't know. The Viking Raiders continue to sort of do their thing. Uh, Gallows and Anderson, I, I I like them as guys. I've never been the biggest fan of them in ring, and I I don't know a Viking Raiders OC match doesn't really excite me very much. Just you know, even if there's fried chicken at ringside, it's just like uh, I was just I was ready for it to be over. It's like sort of embarrassing to watch. Yeah. Uh, definitely was and and honestly it it did nobody any favors and and you know speaking of wanting it to be over i think that's pretty much all we need to say about that match that match was yeah oh god just so just so forgettable so yeah exactly um so after that after we got done i guess cleaning up the fried chicken from ringside uh, that sent us into our, was that the first TLC match after that? It was Barry Corbin and Roman Reigns. There was. Oh God. All right. So what even was this? Like this, this was like the dullest, <laughs> the dullest hardcore match I've ever seen in my life. Honestly. I don't, it, it's, I just, I don't know. I really don't know. It, it, like words almost fail me, honestly. Like it, I just, I don't understand what they're doing. Like King Corbin, I, I'm just gonna call him Baron Corbin. I sound like an idiot saying King Corbin. Baron <laughs> Corbin must have some dirt on the McMahon family or something because I don't understand. I mean, he has to be shocked by all of this. He has to be like, what? They keep letting me do this. Like, keep letting me win and, like, getting these spots. Like I said, I think he's great at what he's doing, but it shouldn't be in this, like, you know, huge feud role. He, I don't know. He needs to be sprinkled in places, but they love him. I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. It's like, you know, that first SmackDown on Fox. I mean, he's in that ring for the first ever segment with Becky and The Rock. I mean, they have so much faith in him and they love him so much. And it's just, crazy uh i think he's a fine in-ring performer too i mean he does some stuff i mean even that even in the the match with roman you're like wow you forget how quick and agile he is for a big guy like when he'll do a deep six it's like wow that's incredibly impressive but the entire aura surrounding him and that match and the feud was just so bad and you know to have that to have people come out and interfere it's just like Nobody at this point, and maybe uh, may, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think anybody's excited to see Dolph Ziggler at this point. Like he just comes out and you just like everybody just audibly groans. And I suppose that's the point. But uh, the whole thing just it was a mess. And then I I I, I just can't believe that it's going to continue. I mean, are, are the two of them going to like wrestle at the Rumble? Like, uh, I don't know. It, it just seems like such a waste. I mean, I guess, but in my mind, I'm like fantasy booking way ahead. I, I've sort of pegged Roman to win the Rumble this entire time, which I guess he can do. He can do both of those things, I guess. Fight Corbin and, and then win the Rumble. I mean, maybe they book something where, like, he loses somehow again to Corbin because of interference or something. Or, you know, they'll do something where, like, Corbin ties him up to a piece of wood backstage and then <laughs> roman miraculously comes out as like the 30th entrant and like oh my god how'd he get here um i don't know i i, I hate it I, it's stupid i was so ready for it to be over and the fact that it's going to continue apparently just makes me sick 
I'm honestly like coming out of the match, I'm feeling very similarly. But I will say this: like in the beginning, like few, like probably like the first third of this match, like I thought that they were like you, like you said, you saw the 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 moments that that Corbin can have where the where is the reason why he's in this spot. Like they were having an all right match to begin with. Like I think yeah. as you got into like the the more overbooked part of the at the end of the match like basically just like throwing an army of security guys at them which honestly one of them oddly enough looked a lot like Devin Monroe I haven't like reached out to him but like if so good on good on getting a queer wrestler in hey. there to take a Singapore cane shot from Roman Reigns on the show that was, I mean that I mean that the whole thing is so funny like all these security guys running after him who are clearly not trying to hurt him at all are just oh, like, no. running up to him I mean it's just so funny <laughs> just uh, getting their hands like, up it's like where did the wait so, so Corbin hired all of these people is that what we're to believe and like brought all of them to the arena like how much is he paying these people there are like 10 of them they like wrote like oh boy I don't know I know like it's everything is just so inept as the match goes along and then like like you said probably the the probably the biggest crime of this match was was the the end where you have Corbin with his lackeys beating up Roman and no one is there to come out and save him or no one's out there to come out and help him <coughs> the whole idea of the storyline being that Roman's the locker room leader and no one is coming out to help him. Like it speaks wonders to what they're trying to do with this and just how yeah. severely like poor the booking is in this. Instance. Make that in, I mean, make that into a storyline, you know, maybe they will, I guess maybe we'll see what happens on Friday on SmackDown, but like that should be a storyline. Like Roman should come out and like, be like, what the hell? Like, where was everybody or whatever? But then at the end of the show, they're all there. So I guess that doesn't make sense. Like, what was was everybody napping? Like, all all of a sudden, there's just this brawl at the end of the show that made no sense. Like, I don't understand what was going on or why. Yeah, especially considering that you just have like you have guys from both Raw and SmackDown in that fight too. Like, it's right. not just like the SmackDown locker room. Like, you would think if it's if it, the main focus is Roman and and Corbin, like even the backstage fight, like you still have guys from both brands there like involving themselves along with, I don't know how many security people quote unquote, you know, yeah. it's like this mass of, of flesh just out there just waiting for the final spot just to try and like save face for what happened in the main event. So like, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It's just I, ridiculous. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, it makes me not want to watch SmackDown at all. I mean, if that's going to sort of be, this this big feud and big storyline on SmackDown for the next what the Rumbles in what six or seven weeks. I mean that's a long time for this to continue. You know. Yeah, I mean who knows? They might have the blow off on SmackDown. You know, try and pop a rating at the beginning of the year. <coughs> Excuse me. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's true. But uh, we'll see. Fingers crossed for that. Although I think I'm going to SmackDown next Friday. I swear, huh. swear to God, if that is there. <laughs> I'm oh, not going. You know you're getting something. You know you're getting something. Well, you know that. it's going to be well, it's like that yeah, the show was on I'll be in I'll be in Detroit over the holidays. So there's this uh yeah, Smackdown is on Friday in Detroit, which is like the 28th or something. 
So, God, you know that show is going to be, like, main-evented with, like, a a holiday street fight. And it's going to be, like, King Corbin is dressed as Santa, and there's going to be, like, all this stupid stuff. Snow is going to be coming down. It's going to be crazy. Elias is going to have a candy cane. Oh yeah, oh it's gonna be yeah. it's gonna be silly, but uh, God, I just thought about that. I bet they do do that just to spite me. It's gonna be Roman King Corbin in the main event next Friday. Oh, of course, it's gonna be a big snowball fight. <sighs> it's gonna be fun. God, whatever. I'll throw <laughs> one from my. Feet. There you go. All right, so one one more thing before we move off of this match is we got we're we're nearing the end here because there really wasn't a ton on this card, but um, I do find it curious like kind of looking back uh, one year ago to TLC 2018 where mm. Baron Corbin was basically like framed as the the bane of WWE's existence in a lot of ways like he was basically blamed in storyline by the McMahons for the reason why you know ratings were in the tank and you know right, Seth right. out there like telling him that he's the reason why the show is like garbage at this point and yet like it's it's interesting to to kind of look back on that and then look at where we are a year later where he's still in the main event in some way shape or form and he's still <gasps> facing off with Roman I think because I want to say he was there was something it was either like you know it was him and Seth at that point but but still like he's still feuding with top guys even though like for almost a year now he's been kind of branded as the reason why the the show is kind of in the tank yeah, it's 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 all very silly, you know. I it's it it feels like we've just had this relentless dream of of Baron Corbin. I mean, you think about the stuff that he's won. I mean, obviously he's the king of the ring. I mean, all the accolades, all all the titles, the money in the banks. I mean, it's it's crazy what he's been able to accomplish. I mean, and good for him. Like I said, I think he's a cool, smart, talented guy. It's just like. All it it just never quite makes sense. The few just never quite clicks for me, and I it's you know it's a shame, but because it, it makes it colors the way that I feel about him. Because I, I like I said, I think he's a, an incredibly talented guy, especially for his for his stature. But it's just it's not coming together. It makes sense. It's just unfortunate in a lot of ways to see a guy not really be able to put everything together, even if and it's not his fault necessarily. Um, I don't think it's his fault at all. I think he's doing wonders with what they're giving him. It's just like I I imagine him showing up to the arena and they're like, all right, tonight you're pouring dog food on him. He's like, what the hell? (laughs) Yeah. How can I make this anything but not? And he does does his best. I got to say, he does his best. But, oh, boy, it's it's tough. Yeah. Well, another guy who is having a a tough go of uh, trying to figure out character work at least in some way is one bray wyatt um we did not get the yeah we did not get the fiend this time around even though it really felt like we got the fiend this time around um as he took on the miz in a non-title match um first off okay look i i just have to comment on some of the build around this like i'm fine with like I, I have some issues with like them going back to the well of like the menacing supernatural dude threatening a, someone's family again. Yeah. Because it's, it's a go, it's such a go-to for them in a way that it robs any real importance from the, the threat in a lot of ways. Um, 
And then you couple that along with the how <coughs> terribly shot the segment was with uh, Ms. and Maurice in their house. Like, because the idea of the doll showing up in their daughter's crib is super creepy. That's effective. Like, that can get over, like, the, the sort of um, otherworldly nature that Bray Wyatt possesses in this way. But to shoot it as, like flatly lit as it was and to have Miz send Maurice in ahead of him <laughs> like I, I get that very heteronormative like thought process there about like you know well the man should be the first one to run in and blah blah I get that like that isn't that is an issue in and of itself that I have so much like, there's plenty to talk about and unpack there but in terms of like what they are trying to say like like that is you're not building Miz up in the way that that the common fan is going to see him as being someone that is formidable enough to take on Bray Wyatt in this instance. Um, and then, of course, that played out during the match, which honestly, that really wasn't the story of the match, though. More of the story of the match for me was like seeing Bray Wyatt unfiend um, still basically possess a, a lot of uh, similarities in terms of character to what the fiend is supposed to be. Even though they're like supposedly like separate entities within him, like it's right. just it's all so confusing in a lot of ways. I'm sure you have thoughts though, based off of the last time we discussed the fiend. <laughs> well, here I'm gonna tell you something, Brian. You know what? What? I loved it. <laughs> oh really? Okay, tell me. I, I I will say I'll say this. It it. By the end, it went on too long, and it was it was kind of confusing, and I didn't really know what was happening. And, like, the way that he would sort of flip back and forth between Bray and The Fiend was confusing, and I, I don't know what the rationale for that was, but I thought Bray sold all of that so well. And he is so talented as just an actor and as a personality – I thought it was great. <laughs> I was like laughing out loud. I thought it was really, really funny. And when all was said and done, I do think it was too long and kind of muddled and the message got lost in there a little bit, but I kind of liked it. And having Daniel Bryan come back was great. I mean, Daniel Bryan looked phenomenal. Um, I, I, I kind of bought into the whole thing. Uh, it, it was undeniably a bit of a mess. But it was a big swing in a way that I can kind of appreciate. You know, if, if you're going to do this this kind of very weird sort of like avant-garde angle almost where you're sort of demanding a lot from your audience. I mean, you have to demand that they're going to be patient and and have to kind of figure some things out for themselves and, and maybe not enjoy to a next level that will be better. I think that that's something that they don't often do. So I applaud them for at least trying something different. If, if somebody watched that and hated the entire thing, I would totally understand, but I kind of was on board and I, I'm intrigued to see where they go from here, you know? Uh, so we'll see. I kind of, I kind of liked it. I, I liked some elements of it. I think I'm more, I'm definitely in the camp of like seeing the, the differences between like the two personalities, like seeing him shifting between them mid match, you know, where he's not wanting to fight. He's letting Miz hit him just to try and get it out of his system. And just like, like, are you all right now? Can we, 
can we talk about this? <laughs> like that's right. very intriguing to me to see that. And then to see like just his facials, like Ray's facials in this match were amazing, which honestly yeah. makes it a shame that he has to wear the mask whenever he's like going in and out of this stuff. Like whenever he has to be the fiend, you know, like that's really unfortunate in a lot of ways, just based off of what he's able to do here in a match that it dragged like the match itself. I could have, yeah. I could have done it with maybe half to half the time on it but no like i i, yeah, some, like, I agree terms, yeah like, in terms of character work though like i i liked most of it um the the daniel bryan return though i think is like was supposed to be the big moment coming out of this and i don't feel like it got over as much as they expected it to it got over with me just because like yo that's the american dragon look is back you know, and like yeah. that's the Daniel Bryan that I grew up on, like watching PWG videos, like, you know, so like mm-hmm. seeing him, like if that personality is back along with the look, like this could go in a very fun direction. Um, but... I agree. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I thought it actually got over pretty well. I mean, my thought process when he came out was that, uh, wow, the crowd is really behind him. And whenever this match happens, which I assume will be the Royal Rumble, I think people are going to be really upset when The Fiend wins again. Because I think that that's probably what's going to happen. But then I thought to myself, hmm, based on this reaction that he's getting, I wonder if they'll consider dragging this out a bit and doing Fiend Daniel Bryan mania and just having Daniel Bryan win. Because I thought that I thought the reaction he got was actually pretty great. And I I don't know, he just he felt rejuvenated. I mean, maybe I'm just silly in saying that. It's just because he looked different that I thought he, he felt different. But um I'm interested to see where they go. I think this is just gonna lead to a rumble match that Fiend probably wins. But um it'll be interesting. I, I'm intrigued to see where they go because I think the crowd is going to be behind Daniel Bryan, I think in all respects, I think you're going to get the smart fans who love him, obviously for, for storied reasons. And then I, th- I think uh, people just are kind of over the Bray Wyatt fiend character. If I'm being honest, it doesn't feel like he has that heat behind him anymore. I think people are fickle and, and whatever. So I, I think, uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they do, because I think people are really going to be pushing for a Daniel Bryan win, whether it's at the Rumble or further down the line. Uh, The Fiend character is I I don't know what to make of him, and I kind of like that, but Mm -hmm. uh, it'll be interesting to see where we are come WrestleMania with these two. Yeah, and I guess more to, to, to my point about Daniel Bryan and like in terms of the the moment there like i feel like daniel bryan himself yes he was very over like the, that that crowd could not have done the yes chant louder honestly at the end of that that uh segment there but in terms of like well i, I feel like the moment of him taking off the hood and revealing the return of that that you know classic look of his i feel like that was supposed to be a much larger or garner a much larger reaction <laughs> yeah. than it did you know like i feel like well, that's that, really to like, me, oh, that shit. reminded that reminded me of like the Seth heel reveal on raw oh, where God. we're like, Oh, who is it? Who is it? It's like, we know who it is. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. not so much a reveal. It's like, it looks like this guy. He's wearing the same color. He always wears. It's the guy he's been feuding. Like we know who it is, you know, like it. 
I don't know. The, it's Daniel Bryan. It's like <laughs> we know. We Who? know. Yeah, yeah. it's just and that it's just kind of silly. So yeah, I I hear what you're saying. I I, yeah. I certainly hear. What you're saying. I also think most wrestling fans don't connect those dots of of his history and him having a buzzed head and whatever else looking like he did back in the day. I think for most people that doesn't matter because they don't know what that is. No, I, I agree with you on that. I think that especially in terms of like the WWE audience, that yes, that is not going to be something that is going to be like widely recognized, I think. And I think that's why it didn't necessarily get the the initial crowd reaction that a lot of people expected. Because like I heard about that moment before I watched the show. Because I ended up watching the show late. Sunday was a big travel day for me. Um yeah. for reasons. And um, so like I ended up watching the show once I got back on the West Coast and um, I had already seen like pictures of him. I'm like, oh shit, the American Dragon looks back, and I thought that was gonna be a much larger reaction. Going actually watching the show and then seeing it, I was just like, oh, this is this is very flat. Like this is not these people did not watch did not do not know him from his Ring of Honor run. You know they don't they don't recognize like what this actually could be. And like and I get it. You know WWE's fan base is different not all of them are as hardcore about like the independent circuits and, and following a lot of these guys before they get to WWE as um, many other fans are. So I'm not going to knock them for that. You know, that there's no reason to, it's just not in their wheelhouse. So, but I think it was a, a, a misfire in terms of that presentation, like trying to be a big thing. It was a big thing for, you know, for us that know that, but I just don't know if it translated in terms of the crowd response on the show itself. And then yeah. last thing before we move on to hit this main event real quick, because we've already talked about it a good amount. Um, I think Bray, honestly, like to your point about how the crowd is responding to him with confusion, there's definitely some confusion there. But just looking at his entrance and the way that he is like milking the crowd, um, like this dude is probably the most over guy on the SmackDown roster at this point. Like, honestly, I think he gets the loudest reactions, whether it's fiend or, or Bray Wyatt coming out every firefly Funhouse segment, like just gets <laughs> like a huge response from the people in the building. You know, like I honestly, like there's definitely still some confusion just based off of like the mystery of, of like this separation of character, but at the end of the day, like Bray Wyatt has never not been over. And yeah. I don't think that's changed at all. Like that dude will always get people to pull their cell phones out. Yeah. 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 He's doing his job for sure. I think he's, I think he's very talented and, and does what he's doing. Well, it's, it'll be interesting though. Cause I think most people are going to be behind Daniel Bryan moving forward with this feud and, and how that in, sort of impacts his character will be interesting i think i mean obviously they just feuded but this feels like it's going to be deeper uh more intense and and better so it'll be interesting to see how people react to the two of them together again mm -hmm. i i'm i'm all for it i'm excited <laughs> yeah me too i think it's i think it's great yeah i mean this is my favorite this is my favorite time of of the wrestling year really i mean the royal rumble is usually my favorite pay-per-view just because there's so much intrigue that goes into it the royal rumble match i get so excited for every year and it feels like we're building up to to hopefully a hard i don't know uh we'll see but yeah i mean i'm very excited to see where they go with these two mm -hmm. um two that i am not excited to see where they go uh rusev and bobby lashley well they're they're going well they aren't but bobby and, and lon are going to the altar and i'm oh. i'm i'm so happy for them i'm <laughs> 
<laughs> they're getting when they're getting married in two weeks. Is that the idea? I they're, think so. Yeah, because I saw that they filmed next week's Raw after Raw last night, which is crazy. Yeah, which that um, honestly, some of the spoilers coming out of that show, like pretty big implications for heading into the Rumble season. So I read them and I've already forgotten what happened. The only one that really matters is that Samoa Joe stuff, but um, oh right, yeah. Other than that, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, Rusev and La- I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what can you say at this point? It's not. It's an angle that's not for me. I. It's been done a million times. I don't find it interesting. Bobby Lashley couldn't be less interesting to me. Yeah, uh, I like Lana. I think she's kind of funny and whatever. I like Rusev a lot, but uh, yeah. Uh, not for me, and uh, don't need it to keep going. Although it, it's been fun having Rusev around, but like, is this continuing too? Like, it's showing no signs of stopping. The fact that they're going to get married on Raw. I mean, Rusev will obviously get involved in that. Um, and then I don't know. It, it just sort of felt like a night where I I was anticipating some feuds ending, and they did anything but, which is. A little bit of a shame because I was ready for a fresh start in a lot of ways. Yeah, especially with this one in particular, just like because you know, like it, before the match, like Rusev in an interview was talking about like how he was happy that he, and looking forward to Lana and Lashley getting married. You know, whether it, even though his reasons were like just basically I don't have to pay alimony, quote unquote. Um, right. But like, so in that instance, like he should be fine with them getting married. So why is he going to break up? A, a a wedding on raw like other than just oh, that's what you do I'm, I'm sure something's gonna i'm sure somebody's gonna say something oh I'm of course sure but he's gonna say something <laughs> oh boy i don't know it, you yeah. know it, you i guess you can't fault wwe for doing this because like i was saying from what i've heard and I, i've looked like the numbers on youtube for their segments and i think on tv as well are through the roof i mean i shouldn't say through i Online, they're through the roof. I think people love this stuff. And I think that's because maybe non-wrestling fans know Lana and Rusev from like Total Divas or whatever and maybe think that it's real. And I'm not quite sure why it's doing so well, but people love this feud and this storyline. So you can't fault them for for continuing it, I guess. I mean, you got to have... You have to have Rusev go over at the end of this, and considering that Lashley won the tables match, even though the table did not want to cooperate uh, with them. Oh boy, you know. I know. God, I forgot about that. Yeah, that, honestly, that was the only that was the only memorable part of this match was the fact that Rusev and Lashley could not get a table to break on a spear. Like, <laughs> I know, like, and I was surprised. I, I was surprised that Lana didn't go through a table, but I guess you know, with, with I, I thought Rusev was going to win, so I guess that that makes sense. But I'm surprised she didn't go through one just sort of accidentally at some point or something. Yeah, I mean, especially considering that they were put into a match that you don't have to get like that visible pinfall to to get the win. Like, right. it, it's 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 it was set up from the beginning to continue on, so. And I don't know what's interesting. It's like, yeah, I mean, I I can't, you know, the Royal Rumble, because of the length of the two Rumble matches, I mean, there's only what three or four other matches on the card that aren't title matches or Rumble matches. Like, I can't imagine Rusev and Lashley are going to get another one on one match at the Rumble when there's so 
little room on that card, but who knows? Maybe, maybe they will. Well, I mean, you also got to remember, like they've been extending the rumble out, like almost how they do WrestleMania at this point. So like they could, well, that's true. Like I'm trying to look up exactly how long the Royal rumble last year lasted. Well, I was going to look up on, I know I was going to look up just like the card for last year. God, it's, it feels like the show was like last week. The fact that this was almost a year ago now. I'm like, good God, where is all this time going? Um, I oh, know. Matches. All right. So in addition to the Royal Rumble matches, we had one, two, three, four, five, five matches on the main card and then three on the kickoff. So, yeah, I mean, there's certainly room. I mean, Rusev Lashley on like the Royal Rumble kickoff show sounds pretty accurate. (laughs) (laughs) Rusev was on the Royal Rumble kickoff show last year, losing to Shinsuke Nakamura, losing his United States title. Wow. Thank you, Wikipedia. I know, right? That's just, God, that match listing. I don't Uh. remember this show. The only Maybe thing I remember, Shane McMahon defeated Cesaro and Sheamus. Sure, I remember that now that you said remember. it. <laughs> like I honestly only remember like the Becky Oscar stuff, and then Becky coming back and getting put in the the Rumble yeah. because Finley said yeah. it's cool. So yeah, I remember I remember Ronda and Sasha. Their match was fine. Uh, Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles. Do I remember that match? Not really. Uh, I remember Brock Finn. The Brock, Brock Finn Balor match went eight, went eight minutes and forty seconds. Oh, long for Brock. Okay. Uh. Anyway. Um. I digress. Uh. Yeah. I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see what happens with those two. You know. Whatever. People seem to like it. So on a three-hour weekly show. I can't gripe too much about it getting some time and I'm happy about Rusev being on TV, but um, yeah, I've, I've seen better stuff in my life. I'm just hoping that things end up end at the rumble and then we can just move forward, pushing Rusev into something else, like anything well, else. Even if it's something, right. I mean, even if it's something as simple as just like Rusev eliminates Lashley from the rumble, you know, like that to me could be enough, you know, that, that could put a button on this thing for me. That would be fine. <laughs> no, I'm, I would that like eliminate him and then give them a, like a blow off match on raw the next night and then just put Rusev in the U S title picture again, anything. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then of course that brings us to the main event, uh, Oscar and Kari Sane against Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair TLC for the women's tag team t- titles. Um, you know, I think honestly the match itself, like, yeah, it had, uh, a chance to be something a bit inventive with some of the stuff they were doing, even if like the psychology of a ladder match was completely thrown out the window uh, during this match. Um, yeah. Whenever you don't have people trying to actually climb the ladder to win the thing <laughs> until like 20 minutes in. But, um, but yeah, the story of the match is Kyrie saying, and, and we've, I think we've expressed our feelings about that issue uh, enough to to this point at least um i don't know did you have any any additional thoughts about the the main event not really i mean i, I would have liked to have seen what they would have been able to do sans injury because i think it could have turned into something good um i'm loving 
the Kabuki Warriors. I think they're great. I mean, Asuka feels like she has a, a new breath of life that has been sorely lacking for her for quite some time. So it's cool. And, you know, I, I, I'm happy that we got another women's match the main event to show. I mean, the last pay-per-view of the year, unfortunately, it, it ended the way that it did. But, you know, we can't lose sight of how, I mean, for me, I guess, and maybe not everybody agrees, but I, I don't want to lose sight of how cool that is. Um, and, you know, two Japanese women uh, are, are the last to come out in, in you know, the main event of a pay-per-view. That's pretty cool. Um, and, you know, I, I like all four women, women involved in that match. I, you know, of course, would have liked to have seen it end a different way in terms of them being able to do everything they wanted to do. But then also, I mean, end in a different way in the sense that Asuka gets up there, gets the belts, and we immediately cut to fucking Roman Reigns, Baron Corbin. And it's like, good God, come on. I mean, let it breathe for a second. Like... I don't know. So that that was that was upsetting to me, but you know, whatever. I, I'm excited about you know Becky Asuka probably happening. I'm excited to see that. I hope Kyrie uh, gets well and and is well, and I, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Charlotte. I mean, she sort of feels, um, and also Bailey. It's like you know, there's there a lot of people. I'm intrigued to see what happens within these next few months. You you start looking at the roster and you realize like God, there are so many people. Like there's, I mean, the people that weren't on this card staggering. I mean, Bailey didn't have a match. I mean, you know, I could, I could go on, but uh, it'd be interesting. But yeah, the match was, the match was fine. You know, obviously disappointing with, uh, with what happened, but excited for, for all four of those women to move on to bigger and, and more exciting things, hopefully. Yeah, and no, I I'm with you on the uh, the fact that the women main evented for the second pay per view in a row here again. It's always rad to see. Um, to see that happen. Uh, and then of course the Kabuki warriors, like they've been uh, probably the best part of regular WWE programming for the better part of three months now. Um, I, I want them to cut a promo every week. I want those two just screaming at each other in, in Japanese in the back and just, there's just there's just a certain charisma to them together. Even though like, whenever they they first got paired up and they had this heel turn, remember Oscar started spitting the mist. Like this, I was had such a hard time kind of wrapping my head around Kyrie Sane being a heel, but yeah. she has translated so well to this. And like her and Oscar's like weird. Um, not necessarily weird, but like they're they just seem like they're so like in step with one another, both like in the ring and on the mic, and just like they're just having fun with this, just in like more than likely just like insulting everyone in in Japanese and just laughing about <laughs> it, you know, like it's just they're having fun with this, and that's like something that is severely lacking from the majority of people that I am seeing on WWE programming right now outside of NXT. Like, like they're it's, they're just fun. They make me smile. They make me laugh. <laughs> like, like every time that 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 Oscar spits that mist, like that's you can't help but react positively. You know, that's yeah. just that's a money spot every time. So, totally. yeah. So I'm really glad that they're getting their their time in the in the sun here, and that. I'm really glad that we're going to get another Oscar Becky match too. That's really where they're angling for the rumble. And I'd be very, very shocked if we don't get that match again, come January. Yeah, so. I think so too. Yeah. I mean, so what, like, so what the 
Rumble going to be? We're going to get Becky Oscar probably. We're going to get Fiend. I would assume it's Fiend and not Bray, but either Bray Fiend against Daniel Bryan. And yeah. then we'll get uh, Brock somebody. I'm going to put my money on Randy Orton. Mm-hmm. And then what am I forgetting? Oh, Bailey. Bailey will likely have a match against maybe. Maybe Charlotte, maybe Alexa. I'm not sure. Yeah, she's not yeah. really got like a built-in opponent right now. But yeah. we'll see. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. But yeah, uh, yeah. TLC in the books for uh, for 2019, a show that I will not remember. <laughs> but <laughs> it's it's a hell of a but way to close okay. up the decade. That's man. I know. Sure is. Sure is. God. Yeah, so obviously the Rumble's next up. We're roughly six, seven weeks away. And, you know, just looking at last night's Raw episode, like, there are not many lessons being learned from the recent spat of programming that we've been seeing on WWE television for the most part. Um, So I don't know, like... The Rumble is always going to be exciting just because of the the Rumble matches themselves. But outside of that, like maybe we get a Seth Rollins Kevin Owens match. Yes, that's right. On there. that's right. That was yeah, that was something that I I I wanted to ask you about too. It's like yeah. that's obviously the big thing hanging over Raw right now, which is exciting. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, I assume that those two battle at the Rumble. It's interesting that Seth sort of fought i guess these are spoilers for people who might not want to know what happens on raw next week but or no because no we found out this week that that the match was happening right that he was going to fight ray so it's interesting it's interesting that they're putting him in sort of a mid-card match there um i would be cool with seth sort of taking a little bit of a step down and uh sort of fighting all of these guys on raw right now that he can have these incredible matches with. Um, I, I love what they're doing with him. Uh, you know, I, he and AOP it's, it's so funny. I mean, it just came out of nowhere, but it kind of works for me. And I love Kevin Owens and, and the match that the two of them are going to have. Um, I presume at the rumble will be great. I can't wait, but I guess what I'm saying is I wonder if they prolong that uh, to mania. I mean, where does Seth fit in there? I mean, so, you know, Fantasy booking I love to do, but it's also so pointless because so many things happen and change and you have no idea. But I'm like, oh, what is going to happen in four months? It's like, who? they don't know. I mean, yeah. they might, but it sometimes feels like they certainly don't. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, doing love... in four months. Well, what do we? What is he doing? Is he fighting Tyson Fury? Oh, Jesus. No, I hope not. God. I think that's, that I was just looking. I, I think that's what's happening. I was oh. looking up. I was looking up WrestleMania card rumors because I was having the same conversation with a friend of mine the other day. Just because I was like, God, I feel kind of out of the loop a little bit about like um, what people are saying. And I mean, Tyson Fury gave an interview, I guess, like last week where maybe he slipped up and said this, or maybe he was just sort of off the cuff and whatever. But he said, uh, "I'm, I, they're having me back to fight Brock at Mania." And uh, dear God, I hope that's not true. <laughs> Oh God! But already, I would not be surprised at all if that happens. I would not be surprised either, but I'm already dreading it. 
because do you uh, know I was on some sports betting site that's fairly reputable. They have their odds for you can bet now on what the Mania main event will be. I highly doubt you will know this because I certainly would not have guessed it. But what do you think the odds on favor right now is to main event WrestleMania? Mm. You're not going to get it, so don't think too hard. I'm probably not, but my first guess would be Ronda Becky. Honestly, that is on that is on the list. I think that was like number three or something. Yeah, maybe maybe even number two. Maybe um, no. R- Reigns and and the Fiend. Close. I think that would be my guess at the moment. Roman is in the match. Okay. It is not against, it is not against the Fiend. Really? Okay. Um. Dear God, please no. But Roman and Corbin. That is not correct. Thank, Thank God. God. <laughs> I will I will spare you because you're going to give yourself a headache thinking of people who are on the roster now. The main oh, event no. favorite right now is Roman Reigns versus Dwayne The Rock Johnson. That God, damn it! <laughs> I would listen. I don't. I do not think that's happening. No. Um, but I would love it. Bring it on. I don't care. I think I'd that'd be, be great. I'd be into it. But only if, like, well, no, because that wouldn't work either. I was going to say, like, only if Roman goes heel. But honestly, that doesn't work because The Rock's a better heel. Yeah. So, like, yeah. I, I, I don't think that's happening for a host of reasons. But also, like, in front of that mania crowd, everyone's going to want The Rock to win. Roman's going to get chat on. And then he you know, oh, he yeah. wins the match. And I don't think they want those optics. But also, like, if it's Roman Fiend, which I think would be my guess for what happens on SmackDown for, for their main event. Uh, I don't know how that goes over with the crowd either. Um, it's interesting. Like it, it's gotta be a tough battle for them knowing how to book. I mean, do you book for storyline and for what makes sense and for, you know, what you want? Or do you think like, what are these stupid idiots at WrestleMania going to think about these matches? You know, you have to think about the reaction things are going to get, which Makes sense, but, <laughs> you know, hopefully you don't overthink things and, and book yourselves into a corner and you end up with, you know, Roman Corbin again. Yeah, uh, I can only hope. Uh, yeah, I, anyway. I mean, you could you could pull off Roman Fiend. It's going to take all of the three, four months that you have before that show to get it to find a way to pull the, the fans away from the Fiend character. But there's a way that you might be able to pull that off. I think it's going to be very, very hard. If that is the direction yeah. that they go in, though, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we got. Like I said, we're technically we're on the road to WrestleMania Woo! at this point, so we'll see what happens. I mean, the Rumble is always one for surprises, so uh, can't wait. Can't wait. I know. Uh any final thoughts on TLC or the fallout around TLC <laughs> here uh, before we head into uh... the new year? Let's see. I guess that it's interesting to me that they're putting on such a big NXT show this week. Um, That's right. Putting like two, putting two title matches on that show is interesting. Um, So I'll opening with Adam Cole and Finn Balor. Actually, I know. I know. It's crazy. I mean, of all the matches we've talked about tonight, that's by far the one I want to see the most, uh, which is interesting. Uh, It'd be interesting, too, to see how NXT plays into the Rumble and Mania, but that's a whole other discussion. Yeah. Um, Yeah, uh, NXT is great. I'm loving NXT. I I can't wait to watch it this week. Um, 
moving forward, I'm I, I'm optimistic. I think getting into the season always breeds optimism in me as a wrestling fan because there's so many different directions to go, uh, and I, I I can't wait. You know these these storylines that are left hanging here. I'll do my best to deal with those and focus on the good stuff, and you know try to be in a in a good wrestling mood this holiday season. Uh, that's honestly all you can do is just try and find something good to focus on and ride all it you out. Can do. Yeah, ride that way. I'm going to focus on. There we go. Just get back in that coffin. It'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right, Daniel. So where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter if you want. Don't really know why you'd want to. Uh, but uh, You're my a fun is- follow. Thank you. I yeah. do my best. I, I mean, I t- tweet a lot about wrestling, a lot about hockey, a lot about uh, movies and uh the Real Housewives. Um, so if any of those things interest you, uh, my Twitter handle is DanTrainer1, D-A-N-T-R-A-I-N-O-R, number one. Uh, my podcast, like you said, is on this network, same team, comes out every other Wednesday. Still don't know what I'm doing for my episode that comes out next week, which is supposed to be on Christmas. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Um, <laughs> and that's about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Listen to all the podcasts on this network. Listen to mine. And yeah, follow me on, on Twitter if you want. I uh, definitely agree with that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. If you dare, I apologize for my uh, drunk ramblings at midnight about, you know, 90 day fiance or whatever. Hey, you know what? It's a hot topic right now. So you watch Saturday Fiance, Brian? I don't, but I'm starting to be kind of pulled into watching it. It's I haven't found um, I haven't had good trash TV in a while, so Oh god. It's oh, it's, oh, it's all I do. I uh I I've I've been trying to catch up on Watchmen today, uh, because I took a sick day because I've been feeling disgusting. Um so I was watching Watchmen all day and it, it was nice to get back into watching something with some substance rather than the usual drivel I've been watching lately. Mm, I see. Honestly, like I, I don't blame you. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, listen, with how things are in this world, you know, sometimes all I want to do is sit back with my girls, the real housewives of Dallas, you know, and just <laughs> let it ride, baby. There you go. There you go. <laughs> well, well, thank you. Thanks for having me, Brian. This was a uh, lovely, I look forward to hopefully doing it again sometime in the future. And, uh, yeah, keep up the good work, pal. Oh no, definitely. I'm gonna need a riding buddy as we hit the road. So, like, Woo! we got all these events before we get to Tampa. And Jesus Christ, whatever's oh. gonna happen at Tampa. Uh, <laughs> I know. I think I told you. I think I'm gonna be there. Did I tell you that? Yes, and I am. I might be there too. So we'll, we'll see. If that happens. We'll have to do. We'll have to do a live, a live pot on the ground or something. Oh hell yeah! Into it. <laughs> <laughs> be great uh but yeah thanks this has been fun as always ah thanks daniel and thus ends another decade of wwe pro wrestling <sighs> what a whimper anyway at least i had fun like chatting through it with daniel that was uh it's always fun whenever he stops by the show um definitely don't forget to check out his show the same team podcast that that comes out every other Wednesday here on the Outsports Radio Network. And I'm sure that whatever he has planned for his uh, episode that drops on Christmas Day next week is going to be just as fun and entertaining um, as the other stuff that he's put out. Always a home run there um, with his stuff. Um, so, yeah, speaking of that, like, you know, we're winding down the year ourselves, and our next episode is going to be coming out the day after Christmas. Um, so. 
as a fun Christmas uh, present to all of you, I can go ahead and tell you that next week we have on an awesome uh, non-binary figure in the world of pro wrestling, uh, one Lolo McGrath from Primetime Pro Wrestling uh, out in Washington, D.C., you know, they'll be on the show next week uh, talking about all of their experiences in pro wrestling, um, their opinions on the queer pro wrestling scene, uh, the pro wrestling scene as a whole. Um, it's a really fun and interesting conversation. We also get into a little bit of the details around Primetime's uh, Butch vs. Gore show coming up in March um, that is set to showcase a whole bunch of queer talent on it. It's going to be a rad show. Um to check out um, but yeah that, that's going to be fun for next week and um, I do want to go ahead and apologize for some of the audio quality on this episode um, I know it's not as good as past episodes um, and that is mainly because uh, it's been kind of a hectic week um, in my world um, you know if you've been listening to the show you know that I've been like on the east coast for a good amount of the past like week or two but I had to rush back home um, over the weekend, uh, kind of cut things short because um, there was a, a death in the family, um, uh, my partner's family, uh, which honestly is my family at this point. And um, yeah, I mean, it's never easy, especially when it's these sort of things are as sudden as they are um, and as close to the holidays as they are. But, you know, um, that's been weighing on on me a lot as I've been producing this episode. And, you know, talking about TLC, talking about pro wrestling and WWE and dunking on a company like WWE that gives me so much uh, fodder to dunk on, you know, when all I want is something that's going to make me want to watch your show. Like, that's... It's a fun, cathartic way to kind of get that pejorative emotion out of you. But at the end of the day, um, there's a lot to unpack there. And, you know, I know whatever I'm feeling, it's only uh, exponentially more for my partner. Um, so, yeah, I <laughs> it's, it's been a crazy week. And um, I'm glad that... I get to have some form of of like respite or, or therapy, for lack of a better word, by coming on this show and bitching about a dude getting dog food poured over his head. First world problems, <laughs> uh, I guess. But yeah, um, I, I'm gonna stop before I get emotional here. But um. T- yeah, it's been it's been hard and it's going things are going to get better but um yeah. Shout out to all the people on Twitter who've been sending supportive messages as well. Um those are not lost on myself or um or my partner in this situation. Um and I hate to end on a dour note before we head into Christmas, but um, I guess, you know, we don't need to end this on a dour note, because, like, death is inevitable, but it doesn't change the fact that we can have awesome experiences while we live, and we can celebrate those that have passed whenever they do 
perish. So um, we're just going to focus on celebrating. As as Emily Fear said last week, we're going to focus on positivity here. And the positives are that, you know, the, the person that we lost led full life and um, it should only move to inspire the rest of us to to live as full of life as we can and we should all get started on that tomorrow or today I don't know I'm bad at inspirational speeches I apologize to all of you. <laughs> um, anyway, that has been this week's edition of LGBT in the Ring. Um, of course, can't get out of here without offering some thanks to uh, the people that get make, help this show uh, happen. The Progress Pride Flag design by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at quasar.digital. Um, and also, a big shout-out to Sarah in the Safe Word for the show's theme, Formula 666. That's off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on Spotify and on Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, I did get a little bit of time to spend with Sarah out in Atlanta. Um, we, that was really fun. Um, and, you know, we go way back, and hopefully we'll have more time to, to hang out and um, just do our trademark dumbness. Um, but, of course, you can also uh, follow me on Twitter, uh, at WonderboyOTM. Um, and then, of course, if you're into video games as well, I do also co-host a gaming news podcast every Monday live on Twitch with a couple of awesome Twitch streamers, Slacker Kite and Lady Merowin. That is called the Mr. Video Game Super Show, and that goes live every Monday uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Um, yeah. So, a bevy of places to find me and to support this show um, and the awesome people that help me make it. So, um, we won't get the chance to chat again before um, the holidays commence. So, uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, uh, happy Kwanzaa, happy Hanukkah to all of you out there. Um, yeah, just... Enjoy the time that you get to spend with your family, whether it's the ones that um, you were given or the family that you have created for yourself. You know, sometimes the creative families can be better than the actual families. Death. So, yeah. But until next time, this has been LGBT in the Ring. Come back next Thursday. We're going to talk to Lolo. It's going to be a fun time. It's your post-Christmas treat. It's pre-unwrapped. I guess it's just never wrapped. It doesn't matter. Bye. Everybody's